Um, hey, I, 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 we got to go. We got to get going. We got to crank it. Um, I heard last week was fantastic. Father's Day with Pastor Paul Cole in the building, uh, preaching to our men and really preaching to our, just all of us, uh, people doing the unexpected. I heard it was fantastic. I heard our teams uh, just did a fantastic job. We had a lot of our team leads out of town. Uh, and guys just picked it up. I heard about Anna Lee uh, running uh, the hospitality, just killing it. Uh, stand up, Anna. Young lady, way to go. I love seeing my man Connor over there running the computer. That fantastic hair of yours. Uh, flowery shirt and stuff. Man, I, I, love, I love seeing uh, young people serve. And listen, let me just tell you this. Uh, if you're older than young, all right, um, can I just tell you something? Can you please invest in young? Can you just let us be a church that actually lets the seasons of our life be the seasons of our life? Let's quit running away from the season you're in trying to get younger or hipper or cooler than the season. Just be the season because someone needs you. Someone that is in a season you've already lived through doesn't need you to go back and relive that season. They need you to go, oh, I've been there before. I made it to here. I'm going to speak life into you. Come on. And I'm stealing some five-by-five five time, but I just, man, let's, let's speak into And i tell you something. The most refreshing thing you can do is plant seeds, water it, let the sun hit it, and see it grow. Some of you have been waiting waiting, waiting, waiting for fruit to be produced in your life, and you ain't planting any seeds. Man, invest in some people. I feel like I'm really zinging people today. I feel like it's not okay. I feel like, sorry, conference just makes you mean. And, uh, and so I just want to encourage you. Like, if you see somebody serving that's young, man, slap high five with them. Say, hey, I'm, I'm so proud of you. Like, way to go. It's so cool. And, uh, and so anyways, Way to go, y'all. You guys are fantastic. Scott and Becca Tresky, amazing pastors. Um, hey, listen, uh, we've got a few people, and I'm going to introduce them in the order they're going to preach to you. And uh, we are finishing out our series on dark horses, uh, how God changes the world through unexpected people. Don't you love being unexpected? Because nobody expects anything, so you can do anything. And, uh, and so when David goes to fight Goliath, David doesn't fight by Goliath's rules. He fights by what? His own. He says, man, I'm not coming to you with a a, a spear and a a shield. Like, I'm coming to you with some rocks. How many of you know that's a stupid plan? But see, sometimes you discount what God's already put in your hand that's already defeated the lion and the bear, and you don't realize you want to make it something less, but it's actually there so that you can defeat the giant that is in front of you right now. So quit looking at what God's trained you in as saying, well, that was for then. No, no, no. Just do the unexpected. Just do the unexpected. You don't win battles by doing things the way everybody else wants you to do it. You're not here living in Christ, the Holy Spirit in you, trying to do it the way the world does it. If you are, you got salt water. You're just going to keep getting frustrated. Now, do it the way God called you to do it. When people are running to get something done, stop. Pray. Seek God. Shut everything down. When everybody's filling their life with everybody else's opinions, open your Bible. Get one opinion. You hearing me? When everybody's saying, man, i got to sleep in. Wake up. Get to church. Sit there. Let everybody else sing for you and get your heart right. Don't do it the way everybody else does it. Because I'm just going to tell you, it isn't working. 
I don't know if y'all watched it. It isn't working. All right, it's time for let them preach. All right. <laughs> Pastor Mayor's going, shut up. So I'm going to shut up. I know, I'm fired up. Hey, so we're going to have Steve Wozner come and preach to us in just a minute. He's been a part of our church for years. He and Linda uh, set the tone for hospitality in our church. They love people. We had a little breakfast there yesterday with a couple people. And, and man, they had, I had orange juice, water, and coffee. I had place setting. I had bacon and cantaloupe and eggs. I got an omelet made. I mean, I'm, I, thought, I thought I walked into a hotel and I'd woken up and like they were making like an air, you know, Airbnb or something like that. People, it was fantastic. And I just thank you guys for setting the tone for us. They lead all our dinner parties. Um, where you get to talk about Jesus and eat food all at the same time, which is the way heaven works. And, um, and then uh, we've got Justin, wherever he's at. Uh, Justin in the back. Oh, he's, he's walking it off. He's walking it. He's like already getting primed and ready. Uh, Justin, who a couple years ago walked out of prison, walked into our church, uh, and is serving Jesus, loving God, and is one of the most amazing young men in our church. And uh, so thankful for him. Leah Finner, who you have already heard about, uh, but leads our worship team, and um, fought through sickness this week to get here and to be a part of today, um, and really, again, another dark horse that years ago would never get in front of you and sing, and uh, like a week ago would never get in front of you and preach, uh, <laughs> is here to share, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm super excited about her and her faithfulness in, in all the seasons of her life. It's so good. Um, and, and then who, who's, who's after that? I forgot. Chris. Chris Lee, y'all. Um, another, another dark horse who uh, a little over a year and a half ago now, he and his wife walked in with some wounds, with some uh, just stuff carrying out, carrying through amazing people, amazing heart, but just had walked through some difficult seasons, uh, not, uh, no fault of their own, being faithful. And, you know, it's amazing. Sometimes you can be faithful and still get hurt. And, uh, but the moment you... Uh, don't allow yourselves to get hurt is the moment you disqualify yourself from ministry. We heard that this week. And so these guys just kept coming, serving, being a part, being faithful, and they're, they're just powerhouses. And so Chris is going to share. I hope you're ready for that. And, uh, and then we've got uh, uh, Miss Talisha, uh, who, is, uh, who is just going to be absolutely fantastic. And she, we met her in our apartment when we first got married. And hasn't stopped coming. Um, I'm not going to tell that story. Uh, but we, and, and has served as kids pastor, served as youth pastor, uh, now running all of our next steps. And they, they now Shane and Shane, again, my gosh, we just got dark horses all over the place, y'all. And uh, that's what we are, a church of dark horses. People didn't expect much, but they're going to get a lot. Amen? Come on now, y'all got to be with me today. And so I can't wait for her to close it out. Yeah, it's going to be so good. So would you give it up? Would you give like a massive round of applause to our first of our 5x5, five five, Pastor Steve Wozner? Totally uncalled for. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, but these things... They're made for people who are about 5'6", not 6'4", and young with eyes that can see. I don't think this will do me any good, but we're going to get going. If there's a title for this today, it's Your Past Does Not Define Your Future. You know, God does not hold your past against you. 
or against me. He holds your future in front of you. I kind of like a definition of a dark horse. It's a, a dark horse is someone who is not a consistent winner. Sometimes they've never won. They're not expected to win, but they've got the capacity to win when yeah. things get put together. Yeah. And what I want you to hear today, Brandon just set it up for me, we're all, we all have that capacity. Yeah. So even though I'm going to talk about somebody in the Bible, like we've been doing as an example, this speaks to me, and I think it'll speak to you as well. In Hebrews 11, there's this whole chapter about faith. They call it the faith chapter, right? And the people in there, they kind of call it the hall of fame of faith. The faith, um, these are people you should pay attention to. Well, if you go through that and look at it kind of closely, there's some people in there who have some checkered pasts. In that list, you will find liars and cheaters and murderers, and adulterers, and doubters. There's a prostitute in there. Your past does not define your future. God has something out in front of us. And I think that list kind of shows you this. God delights, I think this is true, God delights in flawed people and using flawed people who are dependent on him and who are committed to him. Very flawed. The guy I want to talk about today, just as an example, he actually got a name change. He started out with the name Saul, a guy from Tarsus. And he ended up as the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote a good chunk of the New Testament. So who was this guy? He grew up Jewish. He he was pretty smart. He had all the best teachers in all the best synagogues. He had one of the best knowledges of God of anybody during that time. I mean, there, he was one of the scholars of the Jewish religion. And then you, what you find about him was he didn't use his powers for good. What he did, there's in, uh, I think it's uh, Acts chapter 6, it says he's standing there. There's a story about a man named Stephen. He's standing there holding somebody's coat while Stephen's getting stoned, and he's going, yep, that's good. Because he went around with this knowledge persecuting and killing Christians. Somehow his past didn't disqualify him. So then a couple chapters later, it says he's walking down the road on the way to round up some more Christians, and he encounters Jesus. A relationship with Jesus starts, but he's, he's struck blind. And then he gets, three days later, he runs into this prophet named Ananias who prays for him. His, he gets his sight back, and the power of the Holy Spirit comes into his life. And then he starts finding his purpose. His real purpose starts getting refined. So that then you get a couple chapters down the road again, and he's now walking in his purpose, which basically was to take the good news of Jesus to the people who are non-Jews. And he's about to call out a sorcerer. And the Bible does something interesting. It says, now Saul was doing this, but he was also called Paul. And after that moment, when he's working in his, walking in his new purpose and his new identity, from then on, he was always called Paul and never Saul again. Always again. And as I said, he went there. Now, if you get to Acts 26 and don't go there, there's a, he tells his own story. 
In Acts 26, he tells his story. You can see how he was wrong, but he got it right. You know, what was the thing that changed Paul from being a dark horse to being a winner? Right? He had lots of knowledge about God. Right? I grew up that way. I had lots of knowledge about God just growing up in a church where they taught the Bible. But the thing that switched it for him was he pursued and began to develop a relationship with God. And then the extension of that was a relationship in receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. And as those things happened, the purpose became more clear. And with that relationship and with that empowering and that recognizing that I'm flawed (laughs) and I need God and I'm committed to his work, the purpose comes clear and you get to be fruitful. God does not hold your past against you. Whatever you've done in the past with a relationship with Jesus, it's a relationship with Jesus that qualifies us for tomorrow so that all that crap or whatever you're in the middle of today doesn't matter anymore. What matters is today and tomorrow and the next day. You can, you can have a fresh start. If you feel like you need a fresh start, you can have one. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, we have that or no? Who's got it? There it is. So it basically, this is, I like King James, but where it starts off, if any man's a new creation, but it says anybody who belongs to Christ has become a new person. You don't have, you're not who you used to be, right? The old life is gone, the new life has begun. Your past does not define it. It doesn't matter whether it was good or bad. God has shaped you and prepared you for your current circumstance and what comes next. There's one more story, one more short story. Queen Esther, back in the Bible, Old Testament, Book of Esther, she was a Jew. She became queen in a non-Jewish country. And her uncle Mordecai, we can go to the next one, her uncle Mordecai told her this. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to this royal position, and I love that phrase, for such a time as this. Now, God's done all this stuff in your life. You might think you've screwed up in, in places or whatever else, but all of that does not have to keep you from being fruitful with the relationship, with the power of the Holy Spirit, and anything else. So I'm telling you today, whatever situation you're in, who knows? Perhaps God made you royalty. Listen, you are a child of the King of Heaven. Perhaps God you made you royalty for such a time as this. So let me finish with this. Invest in a relationship with God. Be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Refine and pursue your purpose. And enjoy the ride. Fantastic. Give it up for Steve. So good, man. Justin, come on. Where you at? All right, buddy. Here you go. Morning, guys. I have high expectations. <laughs> um, man, Steve, that was, that was great. Um, you know, when you were talking, you, you gave me the title. I, I had one, but it was like 100 words long. I got three. Expect the unexpected. So what does it mean to expect the unexpected? It means that 
somebody, something, some circumstance shows up and it just blows away and changes everything that you perceive it could be. It's something that you just don't understand, you don't get. Um, Steve spoke about Paul and how his past might serve as a disqualifier to his future. I want to talk about somebody who maybe didn't have such a checkered past, but they just flat out didn't believe. They just flat out didn't believe. And would you believe it if I told you it was the brother of Jesus? That's right. His name is James. And it reads in John chapter 7, verse 5. Um, it says, or actually I'll start in 2 and I'll go to 5, but I just need 5. It says, uh, now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you were doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. And then verse 5 says, for even his brothers did not believe him. So his brothers mocked him. That's what they were doing. They were saying, if you're going to die and come back to life, do it now. What are you waiting for? Right? Are, is there, aren't you, don't you want glory for this? This is, this is, you're coming for glory, so do it now. What are you waiting for? And, and James was in that group. He was in that group of his brothers. Now, I don't know if y'all know who James is, but he actually goes on to be quite a prolific character in the Bible. Uh, he actually leads the Jerusalem church. He's an overseer of that church. Uh, and even when Peter is miraculously broken out of jail, Peter goes and tells everybody to go report to James. That's how high up he gets, right? He's like, tell him I'm free. Anyway, um, but uh, I've been there, right? Um, you know, they call me a dark horse because I stepped out of prison less than a year ago or a little more than a year ago, actually. Um, and, and I've been serving faithfully. I've just been serving what God has put in front of me. Um, and, and so I don't deserve any credit. I don't want any credit. I just serve what God puts in front of me. And, and, and that's how you could get to dark horse status, right? Um, the, the most important thing in a dark horse's life, and why I say expect the unexpected, because... James was sold out to himself. He didn't believe Jesus. He didn't believe anything he said. He didn't want any part of it. But Jesus believed in James. Jesus believed so much in James that if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and read the seventh verse, it says something that's quite prolific and it's very small. And it, a lot of people might read over it, but verse 7 says, after that, he was seen by James and then the rest of the apostles. Yeah. This is talking about the resurrection. Yeah. Right? So, James spent his whole life saying to himself, he's not the real deal. My brother, he's just, don't listen to him. You ever been that big brother? Don't listen to him. You but... Um, but that's what he was saying. He was telling himself, this can't be real. This is not real. I don't believe in it. But Jesus still believed in James. So much so that he made it a point 
because he really doesn't single anybody else out in the whole resurrection of people who he appeared to. They're in groups. But he singled out the fact that he, he appeared to James. Why? Why? Because James said, if you really came to rise from the dead, do it now. But God doesn't operate on our time. And so God is also sometimes sarcastic and funny because he gave James exactly what he told him. He said, do it now appear. And he appeared to James. And he changed his life. He changed his life because he saw that he was the resurrection. All this time, he had been going on, on and on and on and doubting. But Jesus was saying, there's something more for you. I believe in you. A dark horse has a pivotal moment in their life where they change. And they come out and they just serve whatever's in front of them. And that's what James began to do. After he saw Jesus come back from the dead, he just started serving. And if you turn, if you turn in your table of contents in the Bible today, you will find the book of James. He served so much that God gave him a place in the Bible. We read his story today. Steve, thank you. Your past does not dictate who you are. Your past will never dictate who you are. You just serve whatever God puts right in front of you. And you let him change your life. And you let him tell your story with his glory. Amen. Hey! So good. All right, man. You got three more, y'all. You okay with that? The most passionate TED Talks I've ever seen. Some of y'all don't know what that is, but it's okay. Great job, Justin. Leah, come on up. Let's go. Man, I first want to say how thankful I am for this worship team. Like, so grateful that Chris and I can take the week off and they still kill it. So you guys are amazing. And like he said, I've been sick this week, so I did this on a lot of cold medicine. So if there's any, like, sharp left turns, just go with it. So when Pastor Brandon asked me to do this, you know, that sense of, like, intense, overwhelming terror hits. And oh, so I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't even know who I'm going to talk about. Like, can't even remember who I am. So I went where I always go when I need, when I don't know what to do, where I always know I will find the answer. Google. So I'm Googling, and I find, this is a real thing, I find a quiz called, Which Unexpected Hero of the Bible Are You? And I took it, and that is literally how I decided who I'm going to talk about. So that was a little behind-the-scenes, super spiritual tidbit for you. So I'm talking about Mary, and her dark horse trait is that she said yes. So in Luke chapter 1, the angel appears to her and says, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. Mary said to the angel, but how? I've never slept with a man. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called Holy Son of God. And Mary said, yes. 
I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. And now nowhere in there does the angel ask her if she wants to do this. He doesn't say, Mary, are you cool with this or no? But she gives him her yes anyways. And she does have the choice of the attitude that she chooses to carry her circumstance with. So I want to talk about two situations where God needs our yes. The first one, when you say no, when you need to be saying yes. Now, I am the queen of saying no to things that scare me, that push me outside. Like, I have to be pushed. Just ask my pastors. So we can't and shouldn't say yes to everything. But when your no is only due to fear, man, if I've learned anything, specifically in doing ministry here in this house with you guys, fear is a good thing. Like, we don't like it, but it is a good thing. And we need to learn to embrace it. Because that area right outside of your comfort zone, where you, that's where God loves to move. And so I think that we need to frequently, frequently be doing things that scare us, be pushing ourselves outside of our comfort zone. Don't let ourselves get comfortable and complacent. Second thing, you say yes, yeah, but then later you regret it. Now, I feel like we think, and maybe sometimes we've even been taught, that the enemy only speaks to us and super like negative things, he only says horrible things to where it's super clear and distinct what when he's speaking versus the Lord. But I think he's smarter than that. Wow. He is so sneaky and sly and he can say things and warp it to where we think what he's saying is for our good and for our benefit and what's best for us. And I think that he, can t- he tempts us into this sense of peace that is not actually the authentic peace of God, but all it is is that sense of relief that you get from quitting something that's hard, that relief that you get from going back to something that you know that is comfortable. So, sorry, I'm having a hard time. So now I want to talk to people, and if if you're in that situation right now where you are feeling like you want to quit, you want to step down, you want to step back from something that you know God's calling you to do or you're just generally having a hard time. First, I want to remind you that life is lived in seasons So if you're in a drought or winter or storms, it will not last forever. And kind of like Justin said, we are idiots when it comes to timing. We don't know what's best because we're in the middle of it. We can't see the whole picture. We can't see what comes next. So trust in God's timing for your life. Do not try to get ahead of it. And the last thing, you're never going to feel ready or qualified for something that God is calling you to step into. And that's how he wants it. Like this whole thing is about dark horses and we're talking about five people. We could have had a hundred more people talk. Like the Bible is full of people that God used who did not think that they were good enough, smart enough to do what he asked them to do. He wants you feeling like you can't do it on your own so that when you do get to the other side of the thing and you did the freaking thing that's scaring you, the only person who can get the credit and could get the glory is him. So do not quit. Come on. Woo. So good, man. On time, too. You got 10 seconds left. You want to say anything? That was fantastic. That was so good, Leah. So proud of you. Come on, Chris. Here we go. So first, thank you for letting me on this pulpit. Um, this thing is holy. And I count it a privilege to speak in front of you guys today the holy word of God. I don't take it lightly. You woke up this morning, and if you were like me, 
some of the biggest screw-ups that you have had come running back to your head? Yeah. Who's, who's done that? Yeah. Even things that you've been forgiven of. Well, just like any good author, he takes time to develop a character in his book before he starts a story. I want to develop a character for you guys. This guy, he was a failure. He was impetuous. He was immature. He was a brat. And yet, Jesus calls him to be his student, to be his rabbinical student, to be his disciple. This guy would spout off and not really know what he's saying. Even the scripture said he didn't know what he was saying. He was impetuous in the fact that when Jesus walked on the water, he said, man, if it's you, call me out there. I'll come. And he came, and he started to sink. And when Jesus said, hey, I'm going to die for you guys, this guy stood up and openly rebuked the Son of the Most High God. <laughs> and then Jesus, the boss, said, I rebuke you, Satan. You better shut the flip up. <laughs> Talk about being get your butt whooped. goes further and he chops off a dude's ear in defense of his rabbi. But Jesus always knows the end from the beginning in your life. He knows where you're going to screw up. He knew Peter was going to screw up. And in fact, Luke chapter 22, the whole chapter is really about Peter and Jesus. Jesus says in Luke chapter 22, before Peter ever disowned Jesus, he said, when you turn back, <laughs> he already knew he was going to screw up. He already knew you're going to screw up in this life. When you turn back to me, you strengthen your brothers. But I'm going to tell you, man, Peter, you fell asleep in the garden when I needed you the most. You fell asleep. But the devil wants to sift you like wheat. And you're going to disown me. No, no, I'm not. Yeah, you will. And he disowns him. And it said that he went outside and wept bitterly. Now put yourself in the place of Peter. This bratty, immature, impetuous disciple who honestly was probably a teenager at the time. Young people, you want to learn from old people? Start asking questions. Stop thinking you know it all and ask questions. I'm only 37. I'm in the middle of this thing. I'm still asking questions. You stop asking questions, you stop growing. Can you put yourself in the place of Peter? When he knowingly screwed up and now his rabbi is not there. To forgive him. Because he's dead. Can you imagine the hopelessness that Peter felt? And yet, this failure of a fisherman went out to do what he always did before. Went out to go fish. 
and he fished all night and caught nothing. And then all of a sudden, he hears the voice of somebody, hey, y'all catch any fish? No, we, no. Peter was there when Jesus got into his boat the very first time that he called him. Throw your net on the other side. So he does it, gets the fish. And then John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, said, that's the rabbi. And instead of Peter rowing the boat, his heart needed to be forgiven so much that he went and jumped into the water to get to Jesus. And then Jesus restores him. Restores him as an apostle of this gospel. Feed my sheep. Guys, I don't care what you've done. I don't care what the enemy will throw at you. I don't care what he says to you. The only thing that matters is listening to the voice of the good shepherd. The voice of your rabbi. Jesus. Well, you're a dark horse. Peter was a dark horse. He had so many flaws. And yet, Peter did something that encapsulated the whole New Testament right here. Put the uh, uh, Matthew chapter 16 on the screen. Let's go back to verse 16 real quick. If you can do that. If you can't, oh well. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And in the moment of pure brilliance, even stupid people, even a broken clock is right two times a day. <laughs> Peter said, you are the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father which is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock. Now, Peter's name meant rock. But the rock that Jesus is talking about is not Peter. The rock that Jesus is talking about is exactly what Peter said. You are the Christ, son of the living God. So even in your uttermost grief, There's pure brilliance that's going to come out of you because flesh and blood is not going to reveal it to you. But my Father which is in heaven, He's my Father. So be a Peter in Acts chapter (laughs) 2. And I'm done. But be the Peter in Acts chapter 2 where he stood up and he raised his voice. Because he knew the value of the rabbi's forgiveness. So my ending statement is this. May you be covered in your rabbi's dust. Oh, good. So good. I'm a little... Well, I'll save my words for later. Way to go, Chris. Pastor T. Come on now. All right. Okay. So I'm really excited about my dark horse because I feel like she is someone that um, 
all of us can relate to in a way. Um, none of us are too small to do the things that she does. Um, so I used to believe whenever I was younger that I didn't really have a testimony, that my testimony was lame. Um, and I w it wasn't enough to, like, tell people or get people to want to have an encounter with Christ. Because, you know, I grew up going to church. I grew up loving church. You know, I was that good kid um, for the most part. Uh, I, was, I was fairly good. And, you know, I didn't fall into the wrong crowd or do too many terrible things to where I had this great, you know, redemption story of how I had an encounter with Christ and it changed my life. So I didn't think anyone would want to hear my testimony. And I always kind of just like, I don't really have a testimony. Like, how am I supposed to witness to people? And, um, you know, it, it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that we have to have this great nail-biting redemption story for people to want to have an encounter with Christ through you. It doesn't say that at all. And, I, and it, it just says to testify, to be a witness, to tell others of the good news. And so, you know, uh, so whenever, so this story is, is perfect for that, you know, and it just relates to how it doesn't have to be this huge thing that happens. Um, so when Jesus was, uh, was, you know, with his disciples, it was the middle of the day and uh, he was tired and hot. And so he stops to rest for a little bit. And this is the woman at the well. If any of you guys, most of you guys, many of you guys could know, should know this story, so I'm not going to go into detail of it, but it's the Samaritan woman, and whenever we hear the word Samaritan, um, I was watching the news, I think it was yesterday, and they were like, oh, the story of the good Samaritan, and it was about this guy who helped this old man go down the escalator, and you know, it's, it makes me laugh because it's the good Samaritan, like we use that as if it's like such a positive thing, and it's a positive thing because... The Samaritans were not liked. They were disliked um, by the Jews. They were, you know, it, so saying the good Samaritan is like saying the good Eagles fan. Like, it's not saying, <laughs> it's not saying you're good. It's saying you're, you're, you're bad, but you did a good thing. <laughs> so, so, so just think that whenever the Samaritan, the Jews didn't even want to have an encounter with the Samaritans. In fact, whenever they were on their journeys, they would go around Samaria just, just so that they didn't have to go through it. They would go the long way just so that they didn't have to go through it. Well, Jesus, being Jesus, he doesn't care about what everyone else does. He doesn't care about the rules. So he goes through it. And uh, he stops at the well. And see, uh, he knew exactly what he was doing that day. You know, they say, like, oh, he just needed a rest, and so he stopped, like, as if it happened by chance. No, he knows what he's doing. I have a friend, and she used to always make fun of me because she would say, how was church? And I'd say, oh, it was such a divine appointment. I'm so glad I went. And it's such a churchy word, divine appointment. She would make fun of me, like, oh, a divine appointment, huh? <laughs> and, <laughs> but it was, you know, it was a good day. You know, I needed to go. You know those days where you don't want to go, and then you wake up, and it's, like, the best thing that ever happened to you going to church? Well, my divine appointments. And so she used to always make fun of me for that. But this was a divine appointment this day. And, and Jesus knew. He had made this appointment because, you know, we think that Jesus just does things by chance whenever he wants to. And no, he knows. He has these things set. God has these things set before time. And so Jesus had this, this appointment set up with this woman who, you know, others saw as an outcast. So she was already a Samaritan, which 
we know is not a good thing. She was already, you know, an outcast from the Jews, disliked from the Jews. She was a woman. Women had no power or honor or value then. She was um, a woman who um, you, you learn has five husbands um, and then is living with an, a man who is not her husband. So she wasn't like probably by the women. We all, you know, how women are, you know, so they're a little judgy. So, so she was, this, this is the middle of the day. Um, and some, some would say, some scholars would say that she went to the well in the middle of the day because she didn't want to go in the morning with the other women, you know, and they're talking and ridiculing her and all of that stuff. So she goes in the middle of the day, which just so happens to run into Jesus um, at the well. And Jesus asked this woman for some water. Well, see, Jesus, again, uh, being the rebel that he is, a rabbi is not supposed to talk to women. They are forbidden to talk to women in public. They couldn't even talk to their wives or sisters in public. And so Jesus, he doesn't care about the rules that people set for him. Um, so he talks to this woman. He asks her for some water, setting her up as he does. Well, so this woman, you know, is like, what? do you know, like, I'm, I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew and why are you speaking to me? Like, you guys, you, you should not like me. She knew how low she was on the status. She knew what people thought of her. She knew uh, her, 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 what she, her aura. And so she's surprised that Jesus is wanting to speak to her um, and even daring to speak to her. So, you know, sometimes we have to allow Christ to see who we are and exactly who we are and not be afraid to allow him to see who we are. Um, and so this woman, uh, as she begins to have this conversation with Christ and, and allows this, this Jew to speak to her, you know, he, he asks her a question and he asks her, you know, go get your husband because he's telling her of this thing that he wants to give her, which is great. And she's excited. And so she's excited to have this, this water, this living water, which even though she doesn't fully know exactly what it is, and that's one great point of her. She doesn't know exactly what this water is, but she knows that she wants it. And how many times do we, we look at the Bible or read it or, or hear a message and think, oh, I'm not really sure about that because I'm not, I don't understand it completely, so I'm going to step back a little bit. No, like dive in. Like God has something good for you. Don't let that questioning of it keep you from his blessings. So she allows that. She's like, okay, I want this. Whatever this is, I want some of it. And so she allows Christ to begin to work in her and expose who she is and bring out her sins, bring out those things. Hey, you, uh, you do, you have five, hus you had five husbands and you're a woman uh, who's living with a man that's not your husband and brings these things out of her. And, you know, she doesn't deny it. She's honest about it. And so sometimes we need to allow God to bring those things out of us so that he can work in and through us. Bring that sin and darkness into the light. And so he does this, and, and this woman begins to discover, like, you are someone because you know these things. She understands, begins to understand who he is. But it isn't until he tells her, I am the Messiah, and then she instantly believes. She didn't take a second. She wasn't like, eh, are you? Like, let me question that. No, she's like, you are. That's exactly who you are. And so she stops everything and she drops her water pail. She doesn't care about what her duties are in that moment, but she runs. And she doesn't just run back and like, oh, I'm a changed woman. And no, she, she runs and she tells her village, I just ran into the Messiah and he told me everything I did. She testified. He told me everything I did. And that was it. That was her testimony. He told me everything I ever did. 
Like how many of us are afraid to share our testimony because we think it's not good enough or we think it's too bad? No, if, if just this little thing can change a whole village, a village that is, is outcasted, it says in, in the word that the, they, uh, the many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because of the woman, what the woman had said. He told me everything I did. Now we believe, not just because of what you did and what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. They had to run and go see it themselves. Don't let your testimony, your story, what you're going through keep you from sharing the gospel with others and keep them from encountering Christ, to keep them from wanting to come to the church, to keep them from wanting to have their own relationship with God. You were made, God made you for a reason, you were created, you are valued for a reason. No matter where you are, he will meet you there so that you can glorify God. Come on, stand up. So good. So proud of these guys. What an incredible group of people. Leah mentioned we could have had a bunch more. It's a bunch of people. I, this is not just about Brandon preaching. Everybody stand up. We're going to close out today. And so proud of this. I'm so loved that our church has a lot of voices. Everybody matters. Everybody's story can make an impact. 